0: You're listening to the Practically Pastoring Podcast, where we want to help pastors and church leaders share ideas, become better shepherds and leaders, and have a good time with friends.
1: Welcome to the Practically Pastoring Podcast. My name is Frank, and I am here with my friends down in Sumter, South Carolina. We got Delmar Pete.
0: It is good to be here, fellas.
1: And all the way... Still in Arkansas, just kidding, it's Arkansas, we got Andrew Larson.
2: Well, hey, y'all.
1: The accents rubbed off on me a little bit. Yeah, yeah. Tim and Jeff, we miss you. We can't wait for you guys to be back. We got another round of questions from the Facebook group. Um, I'm excited to talk about it. Here's the first one. He says, I got a situation for y'all to chime in on. I've been a student pastor for 15 years, all in the SBC churches. I was sent a job post by a buddy for a non-denominational church. It's actually a Christian church from the Restoration Movement. I watched some sermons and read their website and didn't see anything that would be a red flag, so I sent the pastor my resume. He called me up to talk. We chatted for almost two hours. We asked each other a lot of questions, and at the end, we aligned very well. My question is this. Have you ever made a denominational switch, especially SBC to a non-denominational? So uh, uh, I don't know if, Dell you, you went from SBC to non-denominational. My whole life. But it sounds like the non-denominational is just Southern Baptist without the fat.
2: No, the, the Christian church claims no, to no, be no, non-denominational. I'm, 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 but yeah, I'm this is... About-
1: I'm talking about what Dell. What Dell walked into. Yeah, yeah. This is yeah. different. Yeah. Christian Church
2: is a denomination. Um, yeah, they're 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 a denomination that really tries hard to paint themselves as non-denominational. Sure. But sure, they still sure. only hire senior pastors that went to Milligan or Johnson Bible College. And they're uh, sorry, you uh, saying
0: they're disguised Baptists.
2: Uh, no, they're not Baptists. It's oh, uh, would be then? No, those are Church of Christ with sweet music. Yeah, I got you. Okay, you know I'm what
1: denomination you. this whole family of churches are from? Uh, the Doug Dynasty people. They're all they're oh. all they're all Church of Christ, and um, the Church of Christ. I think the true Church of Christ. Or I forgot hey what's coming. You have to be no, 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 careful no.
2: when you say the true Church of Christ. <laughs>
1: I'm sorry. So <laughs> I have I had a buddy who kind of explained to me. There's like three lay- There's like three arms of this denomination. I forgot what the most like conservative one was the one that doesn't have music then there's the church of christ which is like the more moderate one and then there is the christian church which i think is what you're describing andrew is like it's functionally just like any other non denominational church but they have their roots in that i was gonna ask you andrew what about that seminary or bible college that's in um arkansas that's a big church of christ school
2: which one?
1: Oh, harding uh, harding
2: university yeah yeah um and Harding is uh, that's in Conway right like right, right where you used No to make,
1: it's like where, it's like a, it's, it's a little bit wait maybe I'm mixing schools up <laughs> there's a there's a Church of Christ school about like an hour or two north of I said this mm-hmm. conversation's why are we talking about the schools of
2: Christian Well Church? but but in that world <laughs> so the the camp that my wife and I met at was yeah. uh Christian Church Camp, the first uh, church that I served out of college was Christian Church, and I grew up, you know, not Southern Baptist, but Indy Fundy Baptist, and um, so I made a very similar switch, and I I was in the comments kind of saying, hey, here, here here was my experience, and it the the biggest difference for me coming from a Baptist background where we did communion either once a quarter or once a month depending on which church I was in, was Christian Church takes communion each and every week, and they emphasize baptism to a way that outsiders would claim that they believe in baptismal regeneration, which any Christian church person would say absolutely. I should any Christian church well-read person would say, no, 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 that's not what we believe. It might seem on the surface like that because they kind of expect people to get baptized within, like you know, a few minutes of uh, accepting Christ as Savior. So that's the thing where. Um, my wife was a 16 year old volunteer camp counselor, baptizing middle schoolers at summer camp because kids got saved at camp and they wanted to get baptized right away. Andrew, so that's, that's a big actually, Christian church thing.
1: That's actually the biggest thing as an SBCer Yeah, that you would need to wrestle with is th- truly finding out what their belief on baptism is because, um, there are like, I mean, baptismal regeneration is. Uh, a somewhat of a belief depending on where you are in the Church of Christ, Christian Church tradition, but you're right. There are some that would be like, this is a bit of a secondary issue and maybe like our ancestry believes this but we don't necessarily believe that. But that's like, if you're, I mean, kind of in the name, if you're in a Southern Baptist person, you might want to have uh, a really critical conversation about um, their view of baptism and how it ties to either salvation or Where does baptism fit in in a person's life? Because that's probably the biggest thing if you're going from SBC to a Christian church, Church of Christ.
0: And also, with that being said, if that church has that stigma, because as soon as you said Duck Dynasty, that's the first thing that came to my mind. Aren't those the guys who believe in baptismal regeneration? So you also have to say, if that is a large stigma, like when you are employed there— in the future coming from there people may think that and put that on you even though you don't subscribe to that so just be ready for like it's it's, it's not fair to assume that but you do because when I come from SBC to where I'm at now there was a few assumptions about me which is fair correct I mean because that's where you were but uh that being said I said he at the end here he says you know have you ever made the denominational switch especially SBC to non-denominational and I think uh man this is a sweet question today, tomorrow marks one year since I stepped out of SBC. I grew up in SBC. I was a Southern Baptist youth pastor for 15 years, worked in a church at a different capacity for a couple years. And, you know, now being on the outside of it, I could tell you like at first it's weird because if you've grown up in a denomination and you leave and Andrew, you grew up into Indy Fundy. Like when you step out, it's It's not right, but it's almost like there's a part of your identity attached to that. you know what I'm saying and it's uh and to me, stepping out has been healthy because I've had to like shed that identity. Um, I still love the s p c uh, for the most part. I like a lot of the direction that they seem to be heading, but at the same time, this may actually be a good detox for for this individual who's going to be stepping out possibly
2: I think we we put so much emphasis onto our denominational heritage. And I don't think, especially those of us like in clergy, if we grew up some way, I don't think a lot of churches really care. And I, that's maybe that, that's a bad thing. But when I was um, hired at a Presbyterian church, and it was kind of like you know I am very reformed when it comes to soteriology, uh, maybe less so by some superfluous definitions of the word reformed. Like I had four little boys that weren't baptized when I was hired or three. I hang on. How many did I have? I had two at the time I was hired, but by the time I left, I had four who weren't baptized. But I was talking with the pastor of a Presbyterian church who said to me, he's like, Andrew, I love hiring Baptist youth pastors because they all come in knowing sound doctrine and are able to lead kids to Christ, whereas some of the people coming out of the Presbyterian schools can't. And I just thought that was so funny. But to me, the difference between a Baptist and a Presbyterian was this huge, huge gulf. And he was like, no, dude, it's like a little creek you got to jump over. It's not that big of a deal to us, really. And growing up in the world that I did, we were kind of brainwashed to think it's us versus everybody else. And then you get into so many of the everybody else churches and they're like, Nah, dude. Like we're on the same team. You might be a second baseman and I'm a shortstop, but we're on the same team.
1: It, it definitely seems like, and you know, even seeing the big um, blowups in the SBC over women in ministry, it, it, one thing you're, no, one thing I notice that is true is that you really got to take every church for the church itself, right? Like you know, we've talked about how like Andrew, your denomination's biggest church is Craig Rochelle's Life Church, right? And like. You know in the and SBC, they look
2: nothing like the rest of the churches in the denomination right and then in
1: the sbc you have like a lot of those like historic first baptists and then you find out the elevation just left the sbc right and so you see that like a denomination oftentimes the tim keller said this i don't know if you guys remember in the mark driscoll podcast tim keller they did an interview with keller at the very very end and he said something that was that really stuck with me because there is just such a desire in our culture, amongst evangelicalism, to like pull away from denominationalism, and like one thing that Keller was saying in regards to Driscoll was that like Hill would have benefited from being a denomination because what a denomination does is it offers accountability and structure, uh, especially for and against uh, wayward leaders like a Driscoll would have been, right? And I think that. Um, whether it's the SBC, whether it's uh, the Christian church, E-Free, whatever Methodist, whatever church denomination you want to talk about, the good side of denomination is that at least it gives you some structure and accountability going into it, but the ins and outs of an everyday church is very much contingent to that church, their leadership, and their and their elders and their congregation, right? And so I would say, you know, this church might definitely be a Christian church and it's like heritage and it's... Um, and it's like, you know, his, like it's history, but like it may be, I, I think there's a reason why non-denominational churches are so much more prevalent in our culture and more popular is because I think a lot of churches have shed some of the denominationalism that they feel like is restricting them, but still hold on to like a. Th- Writs theology of a PCA, of an S B C, of an EFC, whatever, and, and just wanted to maybe be more of a of like an Acts twenty nine or even a converge where they're saying I'd rather be a part of a a group of churches that are supporting each other, but not be a part of a denomination that is restricting you or giving you certain rules or whatever.
2: So I don't want I, the baggage that comes with what you assume when you see this logo on my website. Right.
1: You know, one thing that I, I – and I, and I say this gently, and, and Andrew, you know, I respect you and I love you. But one reason why I didn't want to go to a DTS – I didn't want to go to DTS is because I didn't want to be pigeonholed. It's because reading
2: the... is hard. I get it. <laughs> 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 but, like,
1: literally the two churches before I got to this church, they were saying, hey, we'll, we'll pay some of your way to get Dallas Seminary. But then I felt like every Dallas Seminary grad at that time I knew – only planted or, or were at these quote unquote Bible churches, and they all looked and felt the same. And I ha- I didn't know, even though I know Dallas Seminary will say we have like people in almost every denomination or whatever. Like I felt like I was pigeonholing myself in the same way. It's like if you go to Southern or a <laughs> Southeastern, like are you pigeonholing yourself towards a Southern Baptist Seminary? Um,
2: no, the, I, the the Texas Bible Church movement is a real thing, and if you don't know it, you don't know. It. You're like, oh, you you see it, and you just assume, you know, what? You know, it's a Bible church, but no, there is a very real movement. It's a denomination in itself, even though these Bible churches say they're not kind of like the Christian Church, where everybody goes to the church? same church, yeah, they they all go to the all same right. schools, they hire each other, they probably have they, similar – yeah. I mean, all, every they claim Bible church is non denominational.
1: I mean, every Bible church I went to was dispensational, and uh, mm. and, uh, and it's almost be- like they
2: read the Bible. Weird. <laughs> oh Whoa, goodness. goodness! All
1: right, Del, you've been wanting to talk. Oh. You're the only person here that went to SBC is somewhere else. Tell us. Talk to us. Yeah, more.
0: yeah. Well, one of the things that I realize, and you may not feel this as much going to non-denominational, but if you're stepping from SBC to another denominational denomina- denomination, I think it's it's important to like curtail that SBC is an association. You know, a lot of times we we throw that in and we use those words, but uh, denominations generally have a more strict hierarchy with a little bit slower moving, where SBC, everything's its own autonomous, you know, entity. We agree on, in principle, the Baptist faith and message, but, you know, uh, I've had quite a few SBC people tell me, hey, don't call us denomination, call us an association. Uh, because there is not that overhead. Now, if you're moving over to a denomination that is more of a traditional denomination, you may find a little bit more of that hierarchical polity that you're not used to in the SBC. So you might want to, as you're exploring stepping into this, you might want to think, okay, how's this going to affect, you know, just the way I think about being a part of a denomination
2: yeah I think I mean, I... especially if you know that and that's not the case for Christian church world. We've got you know forty or fifty different denominations represented and people who are listening. and like for for me, moving in to a uh, to the Covenant Church, even coming out of Presbyterian Church where yes, we have a um a conference, but here I have a a conference superintendent, which is not my boss, but is like the pastor that I'm supposed to go to with any issues that i have within my board or with you know i a pastor like two pastors and so that's something that i had never experienced before also part part of that is because i was never in the the number one chair at a church before but different denominations are going to have different cultures and the people that have been in those cultures it's second nature to them it's well of course this is what you do and you, you kind of need someone to show you the ropes who has come from where you are to where you are so that you can know what's going on.
1: That's good. I know, Um, you know, when I when I finally came to this church and they they showed me what converge, or which is like kind of our denomination is um, the amount of resources that they just constantly give us, I, like and especially because. Converge consists of a lot of, like, very small churches in very secluded areas. The fact that there is um, a bunch of churches that people can call up to ask for advice. When we were going through our senior pastor transition, they stepped in. They even helped pay for um, some of the costs to get chemistry staffing to help us find a senior pastor. Like, they they were so useful and helpful that, like, I couldn't imagine what what it's like in these some denomina- non-denominational churches that don't have that kind of, like, denominational support. Um, so, yeah, I mean, I'm sure there's denominations that have a lot of bureaucracy, but then there's some really good stuff in denominations that I think we often overlook. Accountability. As we, as we often, like, kind of, like, glamorize what non-denominations are.
0: Last
2: hey, summer was the first time in forever that I was like, oh, man, I'm so glad to be – in this hierarchical structure, just watching all of the uh, the nonsense with Johnny Hunt, and you know, when you have a, a president say, you know, "I wish I could defrock this person, but I don't have the authority to," and man, the minute I step out of line, I can I'd get smacked so quick, and that is that's comforting and reassuring. Hey, I, one other denominational thought that is not so much to this question, but a broader thing: um, so many denominations have changed or split over what some churches view as arbitrary educational requirements out here where where I am there is and frank you probably saw this when you lived in arkansas there is like every little town you drive through has a cumberland presbyterian church and they all have like the same logo yeah and so i was like man like is this like some mega church that has you know the, the same logo and i was in a yeah USA church and then an epc church for 6 years so you'd think that i'd be familiar but there's a group of churches that, about the turn of the last century, it was, uh, well, it doesn't make sense to have the same educational requirements for a pastor who lives, you know, 1,500 miles away from the nearest seminary to have for the pastor that lives down the street from the nearest seminary. So uh, they basically started their own branch of Presbyterianism out here, kind of, you know, Tennessee, Arkansas, Alabama area so sometimes when you are looking at a denomination you want to look at the heritage and be like why you know why did this group form what's the reason that the group formed and can i get on board with that because that's going to be deeply ingrained in who somebody is or who a church is deep in their identity that's really good
1: hey that's let's, let's, this is one last question from the facebook group what does your rhythm look like in visiting shut-ins and elder and the elderly in your church do you have a set day? Do you call them before? What does this routine look like? So,
2: Andrew, you're the only one going to talk, right? Uh, I <laughs> I do pastor a church in Florida, so yeah, I'll I'll jump in. Um, shout out to uh, our our departed friend um, Allison Williams, who had one of the greatest now youth ministry specific resources on hospital visits, visits and stuff, but it's still one that I go to time and time again so if somebody is in the hospital my go-to is i come with some kind of stationary because you don't know if someone's knocked out you don't know if someone's sleeping um so i want a card that you know whether it's a business card to give to a nurse or stationary that has like the the church on it so we have these we ordered all these postcards a couple of years ago that was like from VistaPrint and they came out to be like six cents a piece and we had 500 of them or something And so we'll be using those probably for a few more years, but it's a picture of the church and it says, you know, we miss you and we're praying for you. So whenever I go to visit anybody, I make sure I have that with me because I want them to know that I was there, but I don't want to wake anybody up. If I am at a hospital, my goal is to never sit down because, you know, there's medical procedures happening there's stuff going on now if i'm at a rehab center i know this person is bored to death because they have maybe an hour and a half of of physical therapy every day but the rest of the day they're sitting and waiting for that hour and a half of physical therapy so if i'm going to visit somebody in a rehab center i know i'm probably going to be there 35 40 minutes so i kind of know i i kind of have different rules for if someone's a shut-in if they're at a rehab center or if they're at a hospital and you just got to know your people. You know, there's a lot of of little old men who don't want you to talk. They want you they want you to show up so that they can tell your wife, "Yeah, the pastor came and saw me," but then they want to get back to watching sports center or whatever it is. So that is a 3 minutes in a prayer. Um, hey, you know, this small group sends their love. And then there's going to be a little old lady who is going to be thrilled that you're there and want to show you pictures of grandkids. So you got to know your people and plan accordingly.
0: Man, you nailed it. Generational understanding is so important. Like my grandfather is 94, and he tells me every time his pastor comes and visits him. And he'll tell me, the preacher ain't been to see me in two weeks or two months. I wonder why they're still paying him. You know, that, that generation values the the clergy side you know the the pastor side of your ministry and if you're not being with them then they don't know why you're with the church whereas a lot of younger people especially with kids man if if my pastor showed up I wish he'd have texted first so I could have cleaned the house or let my wife know because she just got off work so it is different and I think we need to be very conscious of that when we're visiting the elderly more times than not um, they, they see you being there quite honestly, not just as a friend, but as a part of your job, you know? So I think, uh, just realize that, you know, whereas if my pastor visits me or if I visit somebody who's like our age, they're like, he's coming more as like a friend, as a congregate. Um, but a, a lot of the other ones is like, that's what they pay you for. So realize that when you're there, it, it is friends, but it's also, I mean, I hate to take, you know, the, the. Spiritual side out of it, but for them, it's like no, this is what we're paying them to do—to take care of us, to have conversations, to be on the porch. I think sometimes, like if 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 you're going someone who institutionally, you ever—we had this lady. You go visit her, you're going to be there an hour, two hours, you know, because she just wants to talk. So sometimes you can uh, bring a small gift or whatever not like a gift but hey i got some uh, i got a lady in our church she keeps bees i got an extra thing of honey i want to bring it by your house so that way i bring her like a thing of honey cuz you know that's really cool but that's it's kind of like i'm visiting you i stayed 10 minutes i gave you some honey so that way i was there i had a reason to be there and i got to get going so i do think going in with a plan and what andrew said know your congregation now we all we can't always do that especially if you're new in a church but still ask your elders hey can you give me the the, the TLDR on this person, but know who you're going to visit and then uh, know the, the gravity of where they're at. Are they going through some struggle that they may need your prayer or are they lonely? Cause those are two different ways to approach that situation.
1: Yeah. I think you guys both nailed it. Have a business card, have stationary. If you're like going to a place where they could be sleeping, that business card, uh, even have a couple because If you want to park in like clergy parking putting that business card like in your windshield so that way you know no one you don't get towed yeah yeah. yep um and parking the clergy parking there you know it's really close for a reason and you should you should take advantage of that um
2: yeah i mean and we only have one hospital in pinellas county that has clergy parking left and i get extra excited when i get to go to that hospital (laughs) i'm like yes i get to park in the close spot in the shade (laughs)
1: But like uh, you know, I think and in, in general, like you, if if there's an opportunity to call ahead, I would call ahead. If it's a, if it's like a situation where they're in the hospital and like trying to figure out how to call them specifically, is difficult. Then you know, go and visit. And if it's not they're not they're not there or it's not a good time, yeah, leave that note. And you know, I I think I think all that's wise. I think the you, you asked about if you have a regular rhythm. I wouldn't worry so much about that as much as just do it. Because I think there's not a lot of pastors, especially like our age that are doing it. Um, and they're just kind of, they're, they they have this like very aspirational idea that like, oh, if that if that person's in a small group or in a Sunday school class, they'll take care of them. And sure they would, but the amount of like, like credit you'll get as a pastor doing it is, is, is going to, to pay dividends in the long run. So don't
2: miss on that. If, if you want buy-in from old people visit a few of them in the hospital the and that's that's not why you visit them in the hospital but i'm saying if you want buy-in from the generation of your parents age or older the relational capital that you earn from making a hospital visit will last you for years with some of these people because it's a different mindset you know they There's the Sunday school mindset versus the small group mindset, and we've kind of been brought up, a lot of us, hey, the small group is supposed to be what the hands and feet of the church. This is what it's supposed to look like. But if that didn't get ingrained into you until you were 45 or 50 years old, you remember the pastor coming to visit when your mom was sick. You remember the pastor coming to visit when you know grandma was dying, and so that is still kind of what we were talking about. Um, previously on on our last episode about kind of or was it when, when we were talking about d- denominations, you know, when that gets ingrained in you, that's the same kind of thing. So the the buy in that you get with the older generation from making these visits will last you a whole lot longer than the twenty five or thirty minutes you're going to spend in these visits. And honestly, go with a couple good
0: questions in mind, knowing what they're struggling with. I was I was talking to a lady the other day. She's in her seventies. I was having a good conversation with her, and in the last five years,
2: in she, Safety Harbor, Chir- uh, Florida, we call that a young person. <laughs> exactly. Well, she but she had lost like uh,
0: six people in the last five years, ranging from kids to spouse. And I decided I want to learn from her. Like be, I, I want to visit her, but like this is a woman with a, a great amount of you know wealth of knowledge. And I asked her a question. I said, "You've been." through so much loss, and now you're sick. Like, can you give me, like a young guy, any advice that you've learned? And what she told me, she goes, well, in Christianity, we tend to say we'll see you in heaven, and we spiritualize it so much that we forget to grieve. Mm -hmm. And I'm going to tell you, man, I learned, like, that visitation was probably more important than me than anything I did that week because she nailed it. And I never think about it that way. So like use these as opportunities for yourself to grow as well, because these people just have so much more life experience than we have. So like what a great opportunity they want you to come to their house a lot of times. So when you go take a couple questions that you're like, I really want to know the answer to this. And I think you'll find it doesn't feel as much like work. That's good. Uh, this is great. Again, if you have a question,
1: go to our Facebook group, put it anonymously because that makes it more interesting. But if not,
2: just, ask the, question. just
1: ask the question in our Facebook group and uh, or leave us a voice message. We would love to have your voice on the pod. Uh, with, with that being said, we'll see you next week. I'm Frank Gill. I'm Delmar Pete. I'm Andrew Larson. And this is probably Pastoring. See you next time.
0: Bye. Thanks for listening. Get connected to other pastors by joining the Practically Pastoring Facebook group, where we get to share ideas and make each other better.